everyone. Welcome back to another episode of ID Spotlight. Joining me in the studio is Naman. How are you doing, Naman? Hey, Mike. I'm doing great, man. Uh, this drought's kind of killing me, though. Like, there's just been no rain, and the heat's been crazy. I don't know. Thankfully, we have a pool in the backyard. Otherwise, I'd be, I don't know, I'd be cooking. Yeah, it's been tough. Thankfully, I have AC in my home, but I know for some of my tutorial group members, they are struggling with the heat. Oh yeah, for sure. It's like when the AC is off, it's terrible, but I, like I'm in the basement. So then when it's on, it actually feels like I wear a sweater sometimes. I don't know if that's <laughs> bragging a little too much, but it's nice. <laughs> oh man. So what's coming up on this episode, Naman? Glad that you asked, Mike. I'm really excited about this one for everyone to listen. Our guest today in the second episode of the ID Spotlight is Natalie Chartrin. She is a close friend of mine. She goes through her journey to medicine being what we would call like a non-traditional applicant where she did undergrad for a little bit and then took some time away from school to actually pursue a job as a flight attendant and then decided to come back to medicine once again. And she opens up and is a really candid and honest and fun conversation. Yeah, you know, I really enjoyed the interview that you and Kathy did with Natalie. I thought it was really nice to hear about her rich life experiences, but also some of the challenges that she had going through medical school. And I think a lot of it is pretty relatable to many applicants applying for medical school. For sure. A big takeaway for me is that like everyone's got a little bit of a different path to get here. But once we're all here, like doesn't matter what our backgrounds is, we have this sort of shared experience and brings us closer together as peers and classmates, but also really diversifies our friendships and our experience through med school throughout. Anyways, I think that we shouldn't keep the people waiting too long. Should we send it off? Absolutely. Let's hear from you and Natalie and Kathy. Hi, Natalie. How are you doing today? Hi, Naman. Good. How are you? Oh, well, doing as well as anyone can be, given the circumstances. How have you been adjusting? I know you decided to move back home since school has moved virtual. I'm actually surprisingly okay as a bit of a natural introvert. I'm really, I don't want to say enjoying this time because it's uncertain and strange and a lot of people are suffering and I feel pretty useless. But in terms of like, staying in my sweatpants all day and doing tutorial from the couch, I'm actually like close to enjoying myself. That's so awesome to hear, Nat. Um, I've heard from my friends that we have to not always wear sweatpants because then you don't know if you're gaining weight. So uh, they suggest wearing jeans once a, once a week to check in with yourself. <laughs> I can't promise anything, but I'll see if I can incorporate a once a week jean rule. <laughs> I was going to say how my jean wearing days have definitely passed three, four weeks ago. So maybe we can salvage something in the next couple of days. I wanted to ask Natalie, how's Gus doing? So Gus, I think has peaked. This is his like prime state of life. He hasn't been alone in like six weeks. And now that I'm back at my parents' house, he has a backyard and two more people to dote on him. For those that don't know, Gus is my dog, also my, my child. So he's having a great experience in isolation. Well, that's awesome to hear that Gus is enjoying himself and living his best life uh, and to know that you're doing well, Matt. Um, thank you so much for being here today. We're so excited to get to learn a little bit more about your story and how you ended up uh, in the class of 2022. So thank you so much for joining us. Um, to kind of kick us off, would you mind sharing with everyone um, how you came to end up in med school? 
Well, thanks so much for having me, Kathy. Um, it's still a bit of a surprise to me how I got here. Um, and I know that's a bit of a cliche. And I think probably a good majority of our class suffers from a bit of imposter syndrome, if not a lot of imposter syndrome. But I still feel like I need to pinch myself and like Rob White is going to come and hand me a letter that says I need to go home. I started a degree a long time ago in kinesiology at Mac. And I did about two and a half years of it prior to leaving school. I was doing well in school and things were going fine, but I really wanted to go to medical school. And my GPA was mediocre in terms of medical school standards. And so I didn't think I had much of a shot. I was feeling a little burnt out and discouraged and unsure of like what a plan B looked like for me. And at the time, I had the opportunity to go back to a job that I had previously held on contract in the summer as a flight attendant. So I actually quit school for a while and I worked as a flight attendant for a bunch of years. Eventually, I went back to school, but I actually returned to York and mostly completed my degree there, kind of part time, sometimes full time. So it was a long roundabout journey that I didn't think would actually end up here, but it finally came to be after almost a decade. Wow, that's such an interesting story, Natalie. The fact that you started undergrad and I guess worked as a flight attendant in the summers and then took some time away and were working as a flight attendant for sounds like quite a few years and then deciding to come back. I really want to get a little bit more details about this coming back process. But while we're on the topic, what's being a flight attendant like? How does one get involved in that? How does one have a passion for medicine and then have a passion for travel and flight, like being a flight attendant, I'd love to hear more. So I decided that I wanted to go to medical school in high school. So that was always the goal. And the flight attendant thing was a bit of a bump in the road, like a happy accident. I had a summer job at a golf course actually in high school. And then after my first year university, Air Canada was hiring and they were having mass group interviews at a hotel downtown. And the only criteria was that you had to have graduated high school and to speak another language. And my parents who don't speak French, and I do speak French, are always looking for me to use my French in some way so that I don't lose it. So my mom had encouraged me to go to this interview. I wasn't all that interested in being a flight attendant, to be honest. Um, my gig at the golf course was really lucrative. And being a flight attendant seemed like a lot of work. And my ears popped and hurt on planes. So it was more just going to appease my mom. Then once I got to the interview, there were like 5,000 people there. And the little competitive streak in me all of a sudden now wanted this job because I wanted to beat all the other people that were in this room. So it was kind of like getting into med school in the sense that I think like 10% of getting in was effort or merit. And the other 90% was luck that the interviewer liked me um, and that I happened to sit in front of the right face. And so I had the job the first summer after university. And then during third year, it became something that was offered as a full-time permanent position. And that's when I decided to leave school to do it full-time. It's a very weird job. I loved it a lot for a long time. And then I hated it for a long time. But uh, it's a really fantastic way to see the world. Wow, that's an incredible story. And I think it's really important for everyone to sort of know that medicine isn't like this linear path that, you know, you said that you wanted to do it in high school and it's not just like a step-by-step -step approach. Um, and I think that's a really important story to share. So thank you so much for being honest, Nat. I can imagine that it takes a lot of courage to, to sort of talk about your truth and your history. 
I'm going to ask a question since we're on the topic that I'm sure a lot of people are dying to know. But um, as a flight attendant, what are things that passengers don't typically know about flying or traveling? I think something that people don't know about flight attendants is that so many of them have second jobs. It's often a second career for people or a job that they hold concurrently with another position. So a lot of flight attendants are nurses or paramedics. Those ones are huge because they can do shift work as a nurse or as a paramedic and then also shift work as a flight attendant. So it's a great way to have dual income. And in terms of travel, what a lot of people don't know about travel, I think a lot of people know that it's stressful. I think that's something that's universally understood. I have yet to meet someone who like thrives to be on a plane for 18 hours But I have a theory that people just lose all common sense on airplanes. I think it goes out the window. I've met some really intelligent people who get on an airplane and just seem to lose all spatial relations and politeness and a sense of like social nicety. And so I don't know, that's just my personal hypothesis. But I think that people tend to lose their minds a bit when they're on airplanes. And I don't think that's something that a lot of people realize or agree with. Yeah, it's super interesting how in different situations, the most sane, normal individual can just suddenly lose all their instincts and intuition and just kind of act as a not so decent human being. And I think flight attendants probably are up there, the professions that get the brunt of it the most. I'd love to circle back a little bit more to some flight attendant stories. But I think what I also want to know is you mentioned that you wanted to go into medicine since you're in high school. I guess my question is a two-parter. What was the initial drive that drew you to medicine that said, hey, I want, like young Natalie said, I want to be a doctor. And what was part two of you're a flight attendant and you're like, you know what, enough's enough. I'm going to come back and try again. So for the longest time, I wanted to be a journalist, uh, very heavily influenced by Rory Gilmore. I was really interested in being a writer and I don't remember who specifically, but I don't know if it was my friend group or parents Um, I just remember this pressure to go into either science or business. I felt like I was being told that writing wouldn't be lucrative and that science or business were better pathways to follow, especially if I was going to pursue a post-secondary degree. Again, I'm not really sure why that idea was in my head, but I just felt like if I'm going to spend money on a degree, it needs to have a result of a job. And I felt like writing wasn't going to be that way. So I decided to pursue science that interested me more than business did. So the medicine bit, it wasn't really a glamorous start. I didn't have a light bulb moment of, wow, I want to be a doctor and nothing else. I think it was a combination of thinking that science would be lucrative and thinking that medicine was noble and wanting people to be impressed by me, in all honesty. I don't think there was an altruistic um, motive initially. My mom is a nurse and I used to drive her to the hospital for her shifts so that I could take the car to school and sort of in being in the hospital, you know, two, three times a week, dropping her off, seeing shift change, that sort of started to light that spark in me of, okay, I don't think I want to be a doctor just because it's some noble profession that people will respect. I was actually starting to become really interested in what was going on. And I think the sort of turning point was realizing that I wanted to go to the hospital to drop her off not so that I could have the car anymore, but because I wanted to be there. I think if you can get a teenager to wake up at six in the morning to go to the hospital to watch her mom do a 15-minute shift change, that says something. So that's sort of when my motivation started to shift. In terms of coming back to medicine, I honestly left the idea in the first place because I just didn't think I had a shot. There was so much doubt. My grades were not 
stellar. They were fine, but they weren't stellar. I didn't have a lot on my CV. I didn't do research. I wasn't a part of any volunteer programs. I was really just treading water. I had such a hard time adjusting to university. And all it was all I could do was to manage to do my schoolwork. And I didn't have a lot of bandwidth to do anything else. So I just thought I'd never get in. The flight attendant thing happened at the right moment. And I left with no big game plan of when to come back or what to pursue when I actually circled back. And so it was just sort of a breaking point of realizing that I don't want to be a flight attendant for the rest of my life. It's not something I'm passionate about. I would be on the airplane and there would be medical emergencies and they would page for doctors or I would be the person paging for a doctor. And I wanted so badly to be the doctor that answered that call as opposed to the person asking for help. So it just got to a point where I thought, you know what, I have to try. It might not work out. I might not get in. My grades aren't great. My degree has been so haphazardly completed. But I mean, the worst that they can do is say no. So I thought before I really resign myself to doing something else with my life, I really have to give it a shot. Wow, Nat, thank you so much for sharing. I think it takes um, a lot of honesty to sort of recognize that. And I think it's really important that others learn that about you. So one more question about your airplane days. Is there one medical emergency that stands out to you? Yeah, I was actually the medical emergency. Right before I quit, actually, I was coming back from Germany and I was having palpitations. And so we paged for a doctor and it was actually a cardiologist who answered the call, which I thought was really serendipitous. And he was so nice. And he sat with me for a long time and he listened to my chest. And I mean, he diagnosed me basically with anxiety. I was a 26 year old female with no history of hypertension or diabetes. And I'm a non-smoker and I was largely completely fine. But it stuck with me because one, he was such a nice clinician and that really affected me. But also the fact that I was being diagnosed with anxiety at my job that I hated so much, that was kind of that breaking point where I thought, okay, wow, it's gotten to the point now where you're having palpitations at work. You do not want to be here. Your constitution is not agreeing with this career path anymore. You want to be this guy. You don't want to be the girl sitting here who's, you know, completely overcome with anxiety, it's time to like pursue the original game plan. I see. Wow. So it really kind of took that experience of your body giving you signs that you realized that you had to pivot again. Yeah. I don't think I ever would have gotten there. I mean, you know, I was getting paid well. I had benefits. I had tons of time off. I had access to travel benefits. There were so many reasons to stay. It would have been, I think, a really easy thing to stick with it. But it was sort of that subconscious like disagreement that really pushed me in the other direction, I think. Yeah, sometimes we just kind of need that push. And for a lot of people, it can be some sort of aha moment. For others, it can be a kind of realization that perhaps the environment that we're in right now isn't what we want to be long term. And I'm sorry that the push for you had to be a anxiety attack in the middle of the air. I'm glad that when you page, someone was able to answer the call. And I think it just goes to show that like things aren't always what we expect. And on that note, we're I think eight, nine months into medical school already. Is it what you expected? And what surprised you about being a med student so far? It hasn't been at all like I expected it to be. I think I expected it to feel really foreign and it's been challenging. I don't mean to say that it's it's easy or that the transition has been all that smooth, but I think I expected the environment to be different. 
our peers are so wonderful. Everyone's so warm and the environment's so rich. Everyone has just these amazing experiences to share. Every time in a group that someone shares some experience they've had or some research they've done or volunteer thing they've been a part of or somewhere they've traveled, I'm just like flabbergasted because I, I can't believe how much our peers have accomplished in their lives so far. So in that sense, like the warmth and welcomeness of the people around us have made me feel so at ease. And I didn't think I would have that feeling. And in terms of the workload, the workload is so strange. I mean, the PBL was a weird adjustment. I've never learned that way before. And I was very used to this sort of rigid way of learning. I think a lot of us were. So in that sense, it's very different than what I expected. But I think I expected it to be harder and not necessarily in an academic sense, but just a harder adjustment personally. And it's felt easy, I would say. Wow, Nat, you deserve to be here as much as anyone else in the class. And Naman and I, having been in your groups, adore you. So please don't ever question, you know, whether or not you belong here, because you definitely do. And having been in med school now for some months, uh, we'd love to get your take on a highlight and a low light of your experiences so far. What I'm going to say is going to sound so cliche, so please forgive me. But I think the highlight has been meeting all of our peers. Um, as I said before, I think I expected something quite different. And maybe that's a little pessimistic and judgmental of me, but I think I expected, I don't know, 200 stereotypical med students. And I had this idea in my head of what a med student looked like. And I imagined me being so like such an outlier in comparison to everyone else. And I mean, I'm certainly different. I graduated, well, I actually never graduated, but I finished my degree, so to speak, a while ago. And I think a lot of our peers finished more recently and I'm a bit older and, you know, my life looks a bit different than some of our peers for sure, but just sort of the vast experiences that everyone has and everything that they bring to the table, all of their accomplishments, like it's just mind boggling. So I think the highlight has been meeting people that I really hope to have in my life for the rest of my life and people I know I'm going to be really proud to call my colleagues. I think the low point is kind of playing off the high point. I actually struggle a lot socially. It's really, really difficult for me. I'm really easy to socialize in like a professional setting, but I have a really hard time with it personally. I'm, you know, an introverted person and I have a ton of social anxiety. So for me, it's been balancing this wonderful experience of meeting all these phenomenal people and also battling with my internal anxieties as I try to get to know them and, and make friendships. Yeah, I'd second that. I think uh, this is a good chance to acknowledge that we definitely have some fantastic classmates. And I definitely echo the fact that I was quite pleasantly surprised with the sort of the je ne sais quoi of, I don't know what to say about them, but they definitely have taken me by surprise. and I've definitely enjoyed my time so far. I think your experience is one that a lot of people can kind of relate with is wanting to sort of socialize and meet new people, especially in a new surrounding, but kind of finding it difficult to try to maintain that pace, especially when stuff is thrown at you so fast. And I think uh, if there's any consolation, I think you did a fantastic job. I think you're very well liked amongst our class and you're definitely one of my favorite people to hang out with. So you're all right in my books, if that's any consolation. I kind of want to pivot a little bit back into more of your personal life. And I kind of want you to get a chance to share what's something about you that most of our class doesn't know or wouldn't expect. So I personally feel like this is universal information and I'm not sure if that's actually truth, but I feel like everyone knows that I'm a bit of a granny. Like I really like to go to bed super early and I kind of portray myself as such. Granny hippie is sort of my, my vibe. Um, but at one time I was actually not a granny. 
I lived in Berlin for a while because I was learning to speak German. And for those that don't know, Berlin is really into like a techno underground scene. So as much as it's now confined to a spin studio for me, I was at one time a like raver in Berlin. What? That's incredible. When I found this out uh, in tutorial, I was shooketh. Natalie, can you say something in German for us, please? I'm trying to think of what I should say. I'll say the landing announcement from when we used to land in Germany on a flight. Oh, yes, please. It'll be incredible. Meine Damen und Herren, herzlich willkommen in Berlin. Die Ortszeit ist 6 Uhr. Vielen Dank, dass Sie mit Air Canada einen... Wir wünschen Ihnen einen wunderschönen Tag. Oh my goodness, that deserves a round of applause. Oh, that's incredible. <laughs> I uh, felt like I was on an Air Canada flight there. And I think just for the people who didn't catch that, Natalie's actually also a spin co-instructor, something that she does on the side. How does one balance that being kind of a spin instructor and medical student? And like, how did you get into that, Natalie? So I had been working as a flight attendant for quite a while and I quit in January of 2018. I was trying to write the MCAT and finish up my degree and it was a little bit too much with working full time. So I decided to take the year off, take a bunch of courses, attempt to finish my degree, write the MCAT and apply to medical school. But then it came time where applications were due and I was getting really poor and I needed to find another job. So I decided to apply to an indoor cycling studio in Toronto called Spinco. And I just worked at their front desk there until school started. But it just so happened that someone was opening a Spinco Hamilton location just right around the time that school was starting. So I decided to apply to be an instructor at their location. I thought it would be a great opportunity because I could get in exercise um, while connecting with some people in the community and also making a little bit of money on the side. So it was just really fantastic timing. As for balance, I'm a terrible balancer and I think I need it to be forced upon me. So it was kind of my strategy to load my plate up with a few different things so that I would be forced to time manage properly because left to my own devices, I seem to just like fritter away time and not actually make use of the hours in the day. So it was sort of my strategy to load myself up a bit more so that I would be forced to be more efficient. Wow. And for those who uh, don't know, Natalie also teaches like the 6 a.m. spin class. So yeah, she's definitely on a superhuman level. And they do say, you know, if you want something to get done, you give it to the busiest person because yeah, it definitely seems to be this thing where um, it seems that the people who are doing so much that actually um, also do them well. Um, so Natalie, you zipped across the world, you're a medical student, you're a spin instructor, like that is so much. And out of all of your experiences looking back, what are you the most proud of? So this one I had to think on a bit. I'm not proud of the journey yet. And I think I probably should be. And it's something I'm working on because I think getting here, and this is not meant to be self-deprecating, and I, I really don't mean it that way. But I think we all struggle to like recognize our own accomplishments. I mean, being a flight attendant and doing all these things, it sounds lovely, like wrapped up in a pretty package. But the truth is, is that I was really broke a lot of the time. I was living in an apartment in Toronto that was legitimately crooked. And the bathroom was practically outdoors. The water used to freeze in the tub in the winter. I could barely pay rent. I was so lonely. I had horrible depression. So it sounds like wonderful when you say, oh, she's a med student and she was a flight attendant. And that is all very true. But there was a lot of it when I didn't think I would ever get into medical school and I had no plan B for what I wanted to do. So I think I'm working towards being proud of getting here because it was a long road 
and I didn't think I would accomplish it. So I hope that soon I can say that I'm very proud of accomplishing this and working on it still. Wow. And I think you bring up a very good point now to that in everyone's backstory, like it's really easy for us to sit here and you're right, kind of do like the highlight reel and like what you see on Insta and Facebook and Twitter and all the social medias. But I think that your courage and your humility and really sharing like your answer to this question kind of just speaks volumes to your character and your integrity. So Nat, thank you so much for sharing. Have you always been able to be this open? Sadly, yes. <laughs> As Naman knows best, I just wear my heart on my sleeve. I'm a little open book. So yeah, an oversharer at times. No, I think I think people need to be more open and to have these conversations. So I commend you, Nat, for, for being you. And I think the world needs more of you. Thank you, Kathy. I just hope that like, I mean, I just want someone else who is in my position to know that you can still try. Like, I know that people say, oh, you can accomplish anything you put your mind to. And I just don't believe that that's true. Like there are structural things that work against us in this world. But I hope that there's somebody who wants to get into medical school, who's not 19, who maybe didn't get the best grades, who's gone off and done something else will think, you know what, I could just try, you know, it might not work out, but it could. And, you know, it sounds really cheesy, but I just wish I'd had someone who had sort of pushed me a little bit further in this direction, maybe a little sooner, because I just was so doubtful that it would ever happen. Wow. And I think you are definitely doing that. And by sharing your story, I know that other people listening will be inspired um, from your story. And I also just got goosebumps listening to that. So I'm really glad that you're in our class now and that you're here. Moving on to our sort of final piece of the interview, we uh, at ID Spotlight, we do like a rapid fire outro. And so these are just really fast questions, kind of for fun. And so if you're up for it, we're going to get started. Are you ready, Nat? I'm ready. <laughs> All right. So our first question is, it's an easy one. Are you a cat or dog person? This is the hardest question of them all. I'm a dog person, but I have a wonderful cat whose name is actually dog in German. <laughs> I love that you had to qualify that. <laughs> yeah, we really put you on the spot for that one, being a dog and cat owner. Uh, Natalie, what's your Hogwarts house? Gryffindor, but I want so badly to be something else. Oh, Gryffindors are fantastic. And Nat, what are you grateful for? So grateful for Gus. I mean, I feel like everyone that knows who Gus is and knows me well knows that Gus is my number one. I can definitely concur with that. Gus is such a sweetheart. Natalie, what's your ideal day off? I'm afraid it looks a lot like quarantine. <laughs> I love that so much. Nat, what excites you these days? That's kind of tough. Maybe a second batch of chocolate chip cookies tonight. <laughs> love that. Nat, what's your astrology sign or signs? And what do you think that says about you? <laughs> yes, I'm so happy you asked this. I'm Capricorn. And I am a Capricorn rising, a Capricorn sun, and a Sagittarius moon. So basically, this means that I'm super type A. I'm competitive. I like to maybe not so work well with teams. I'm a big time overachiever. But that little Sagittarius component, that's the Berlin girl that's raving in a techno club. I love it. And I hope she's still living on in you today. So last rapid fire question, Nat. What's the best advice you've ever received? This is really tough. I can't think of a one-liner that comes to mind, but I feel like my dad is just a constant source of fabulous advice at like two o'clock in the morning in response to a crying phone call. 
So I'm going to say it was definitely said by my dad and there's probably too many things to count, but all encouraging towards moving forward. Amazing. So I think that concludes this episode of ID Spotlight. On behalf of everyone, Natalie, I'd like to thank you so much for coming. I think this was such an amazing conversation hearing about your background and kind of your motivations. And I think I'm lucky enough to spend once a week with you in our professional competencies class. And I think that this just brought us closer together. And I really appreciate that. And I really appreciate you being so open. I do hope, like Kathy said, that somebody listening gets a chance to be inspired by your story. And I'm sure anyone listening would be. So thank you once again. And I think we just want to give you this opportunity to kind of have any last thoughts or concluding thoughts that you wanted to share. Thank you guys so much for having me. It was so nice to chat with you like this. And it was so much fun. Um, I'm really proud of you guys for putting on this podcast. It's such a cool endeavor. And I mean, I expect no less from two really fabulous, intelligent people. And you're just two front facing people at the moment, but there's a whole team behind you. And I think you're all doing a really fantastic thing. And it's really cool. Just another one of those things for me to say that my peers are accomplishing that is pretty mind boggling. Yeah, I just want to reiterate that. um, And it sounds so preachy, especially from someone that doesn't really believe like that this is all happening yet. But I do hope that at some point, someone out there who's considering medicine rethinks their ability to do it, or not just medicine, anything else, you know, your diverse background makes you really cool. I know that structure kind of works against us sometimes. And sure, like GPA cutoffs exist, MCAT cutoffs exist. And there's nothing that you can do about that. But there's a lot that you can do about everything else. So I just hope that people reconsider what they're capable of because it can happen. And the things that you do outside of that sort of linear journey are really valuable. I cannot think of a better way to end. And I almost wish that we were on camera because I'm smiling so big right now. Uh, So thank you again, Nat, for spending a Friday evening with us. Anytime. Wow, I really enjoyed hearing from Natalie in that interview. What did you think, Naman? Yeah, Mike, I I said it before, it was really nice just speaking with a good friend of mine. And I think that what I really took away from this was how, um, how candid she was. And she was like, really willing to talk about her struggles. Like she was very open about her financial struggles before coming to medicine, and her anxieties and depression. I think that normalizing those conversations really goes a long way. And as a society, we try to like eliminate those stigmas from how we live day to day life. Absolutely. I think it's so interesting just kind of looking to the left and to the right of whoever you're sitting beside in medical school, kind of really appreciating how they could have gone through so many different rich life experiences. And I think that's especially the case for Natalie, her work as a flight attendant, her life in Berlin, learning a language, working as a cycle studio instructor, certainly experiences I could never imagine what they would be like, but so incredible and so interesting that a classmate has had these experiences. Yeah, and like the big thing about wishing she had heard something like this as a story to motivate her, she still managed to push through. But if this episode can do that, or this podcast can do that for someone out there who the story may be applicable for and maybe gets them over that next hurdle and pushes them into pursuing something that they love, that would mean the world to us if that were to be accomplished. I was definitely inspired by that. I think she said earlier that I didn't think I had a shot doing a degree, you know, non-consecutively, and her trying to send a message that if you kind of fit this profile of being unsure, just to go for it and just to try your best and not doubt yourself. And I think that's a very powerful message for a lot of our listeners out there. 
And with that, Mike, I think we should probably wrap this one up. But before we go, we wanted to give a few acknowledgements and credits to the episode director, Kathy, who is my co-host for this episode, along with leading the writing team with our wonderful research director, Prasida, and Michael Vu, who is also responsible for the writing team. Editing was done by Prasida for this episode and the music that you hear playing us in and playing us out is by Isabella. And of course, I'd like to thank the rest of the team, Daniel, Mike, Gurinder, Omri, and Lucy. Don't forget to follow us on social media, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Our handle is at the ID podcast. We'd love to hear from you, your thoughts, and any feedback you have. And with that, thank you for listening to another episode of the ID podcast, where we share the stories of medicine and the people behind it. Thanks, everyone. Stay safe.